really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. Verses 6 and 7 talks about that overflowing with thankfulness. And what we want to give you an opportunity today, we, we, we've done it a couple of times over these last few weeks, uh, just give you a chance to share a testimony. Uh, we don't need your life history, it's all right. We don't need all the details, but just something that you want to give thanks to God for. For me, um, we, we don't see our lads very often. Our, our lads are 30 and 28. They have their own lives. They're boys. I had to text them once to say, are you still alive? <laughs> they took a week to answer. <laughs> so, but I'm thankful that we got to spend Christmas Day with them. We had a lovely day with them, beautiful time. We still have a great relationship with them. The seeds of the gospel were sown in their lives. They were both baptized. They're not currently walking with God, but we keep praying for them. Uh, and so I want to encourage you. I'm thankful for, for my lads and for a praying mother, of course. That helps. <laughs> Anyone else? Just 30 seconds of thanks. Chris, just handheld, please. I just want to thank God for everything he did for my family and I this Christmas season. So um, my dad had to um, attend one of his um, kindred <coughs> members, some, <laughs> a brother, like part of his family members, um, burial. And so we used that opportunity because my mom had passed now for 10 years. So it was quite difficult because we had to come up with a lot of money, you know, just to support him. Mm. And um, we had to pray for protection because it was, it's quite a dangerous time, you know, to travel back to Nigeria, where, yeah. where we're from. Yeah, so I just want to thank God because God provided because there was a lot oh, of man. money trying to like set up her um, tomb, tombstone yep. and all yep. that. So, but we saw God's provision through it all, you Amen. know, and God took care of my dad because we're kind of worried, okay, how would he feed the house? He's not been there for like five years, so everywhere was dusty and all that. But, you know, he kept calling us and telling us everything. People are helping. Everything went well. They were able to do the um, tombstone project that they were able to do. And, you know, everything just went smoothly. Although on, on his way traveling, the vehicle that came to pick him from the airport spot on the road, which was everyone's heart kept beating because that's where like the danger zones and all that. So people could just come kidnap and all that. But through it all, God saw us through. Amen. His provision was just divine through, through everything. So I just Thank want you, to buddy. praise the name of the Lord. Amen. That's great. Anyone else? We'll come back to you, Margaret. Anyone else just want to quickly give thanks to God? Come on. I'm sure you're not just showing off your new outfits, Nikki. Nah. This is a Nigerian New Year, huh? Huh? I'm sure Bev has a dress like that, but she wouldn't wear it. So. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I just want to give God the glory for my family this last year, um, for Amy's life, um, in terms of where we started from, 
um, in terms of his football. I've seen God's life, God's glory on his life. Just want to give God the glory. And also, just my family generally. Mm. This Christmas was one of the best. Um, had issues with my sister and all of that. But just thank God for his mercy, for his grace in our family. And we had a good Christmas. Amen. That's good. Anyone else want to give thanks to God? Come on, Josie, quickly. Hello, I want just to thank God for what he has done. Because um, last year, there were a lot of milestones. First, I retired without a pension. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, depending on the children. And then before I came in, I was so low, very, very low. Because you feel, what am I living for? I'll finish the work. And I know there are a lot of people at one time, you feel, who am I? But thank God, God has made it so way that now I am a proud person. I don't care about money anymore. Amen. And it's not because I didn't, I, I don't see, it's, it's valueless. You see, if you depend on money, you can't buy anything. The most important is Jesus. The most important is your life and your family. So this year is my promise that I'll be with God or he will be with me and I'll be near him. And because in him, you get all things. So, yes, Amen. this year we go with God. Yep. Jesus said, make sure your treasures are in heaven where moth and dust and all the other things don't corrupt. Margaret, quickly, what are you giving thanks for? I'm giving thanks, can you let go your microphone? <laughs> I'll hold it, it's okay. I'll give, a, give you lot thanks because today was the last day of knocking the tree down at home. So they all started working on it. Excellent. So uh, I, I assume you weren't doing the one doing the tree knocking down, Margaret, but um, we're glad it all went well for you. Uh, we're going to do some announcements um, and then we'll, we'll take an opportunity to welcome one another. But uh, if you get some announcements up for me, Chris. So for those of you who may be guests here, um, it's, it's great to see you. Um, we'll be starting our on online stream in a couple of minutes. Um, but you should have received a welcome pack if you, this is your first time here. As we said um, earlier, uh, today's the start of our 21-day uh, Daniel fast, so you do get to eat some stuff. Sue's already been cooking vegetables, well done, Sue. Um, and, and fasting is always voluntary, so it's, it's, it's not regulations, there's not laws about it. It's something you do before God. We have put a lot of information on the website uh, that you can go and download some recipe ideas. Uh, some guidelines for, for food and stuff like that. But really, it's an opportunity to come before God. I, I like doing the fast at the start of the year because it's positioning yourself before God. That's the key. It's positioning yourself right at the start of the year that you're saying, actually, God, I need your help. I want your help. Uh, and one of the things that David talks about fasting in his own life, Psalm 34, he said, I humbled myself with fasting. Fasting is not a hunger strike. It's not twisting God's arm to get him to do what you want. It's, it's humbling ourselves uh, and so that we can hear from God, so we can listen to God, so we can have those roots deep in him. So I would encourage you um, to give up something 
Uh, for some of you, that will be different things. For some of you, there may be medical issues you need to be aware of. We understand that. But there is an element of sacrifice in fasting. There's an element of humbling ourselves. So I would encourage you to do that and do what you can rather than focus on what other people are doing. Do what you can. Do what's right for you. But certainly make time for prayer as part of that as well. Okay, we'll, we'll give some explanations. And Grace is preaching next week on the, on the power of prayer. So we'll hear a little bit and more about that, I'm sure. One of the things we do is, is some midweek stuff. And so uh, Lorreen and Carol are leading the Reflect Group on Fridays. And I think this particular series that they're, they're, teaching, they're going to be teaching on uh, will be very helpful as we go through the fast, as we open ourselves up to go. We have a little video clip, uh, and the, the course is called The Power to Change. So let's play that, Chris. Thank you. I have been through seasons of my life where I have doubted that God can change my life. And yet God wanted to break me out of that. And that's the stories we're gonna talk about is just his ability to, to change our lives. This is such a process and a journey. I think so many times we just wanna wake up overnight and feel like my life has changed. But it's so freeing to know that Jesus is walking with us through our entire lifetime. This is a God who wants to do relationship with us. If you could condense Genesis to Revelation into three words, it would be God with us, right? Jesus is saying, no, no, come to me. Like cast your anxieties, cast your cares on me. We want to change and yet we still struggle. But what we have is the power of the Holy Spirit to help you obey, to help you change. He equips us to choose not our own way, but the way of Jesus. I had a lot of apprehension, fully giving my life over to Christ. I had this struggle with a fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. I needed that picture of beauty that can come from the brokenness, and it allowed me to hope for the first time in a long time. I don't feel shame when I come to him and I believe now how much he truly loves me. There's so many things that are vying for our attention, but what if we said, I'm not gonna be transformed by the things of this world, I'm gonna be transformed by the things of God. You will find mercy, you will find grace, you will find the gentleness of his restoring power made available to you. I promise you that you want this story. The story where people go from death to life. The story where people go from blind to seeing. The story where people go from desperate sinners that are stuck to healed people that love others. It's the way God works. He is that good. Reflect Group runs on Friday afternoons for 4 p.m. If you'd like to see Lorena Carvel about that, then please do. But also, uh, you notice that that's from Right Now Media. For those of you who are connected to the church, one of the things we do as a church, we, we have a subscription uh, to what people describe the Christian Netflix. There's about 25,000 teaching videos and series, uh, such as you've seen advertised there. Uh, so if you're connected to the church and you don't have Right Now Media, you're not logged in, uh, see me afterwards, I can send you a link. Uh, and one of the things I would encourage you during the fast is turn off the telly and turn on to something that's going to feed your soul. Now, 
I love movies. Bev says, how can you quote all these lines from movies, things I remember from years ago? So there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things we can do during the fast is turn the telly off and watch something that's going to feed your soul. So the Right Now Media is one way you can do that. And so even if you're not able to come to that group on Fridays at 4 o'clock, you can still follow the teaching. And there is resources and stuff for you to download the whole teaching series. So I would encourage you to, to, to connect into that. Thank you. Next slide. So one of the things that we're going to do after the fast on the 28th, we're, we're having an international meal together and a dedication. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we haven't started the fast really yet. So relax. But we will come together. Uh, Philip's coming back down uh, for dedication, and we're also dedicating uh, Peace's little one. So we're going to have a double dedication. We'll have an international meal together. So closer to the time, we'll get some names and get some food and all the rest of it. Might let Sue organize that, because she seems to whip you into shape. Um, but after that, beginning in February, we're going to start uh, a series called Growing a Spirit-Filled Community. And what we're going to do is take an overview of the book of First Corinthians. So if, if any of you are looking to do some extra Bible reading uh, during the next month, then I would encourage you to look at First Corinthians. We're going to take a, a good overview of that and look at that. Because I really believe that we need the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to be growing and God has called us to community. So growing a spirit-filled community is our aim, that we're connected together, that we're connected to him. And you will be amazed how much the book of 1 Corinthians will speak into the modern church and our modern life today. So that's what we're doing. We're going to do that in February and March over those eight weeks. Um, just to let you know that. Next, next slide, please. As always, uh, we encourage you about giving. Uh, we don't get government grants. We don't get the denomination to support us. Any ministry that we're able to do uh, and supporting the staff to fulfill their ministry, which includes me, um, then we, we're able to do that as a church. Uh, you can use the QR code. Uh, if you're a regular, then we encourage you to uh, give by standing order. If you're a guest, then we do have the new machine at the back. Um, but if, I would say if you're a regular, you don't need to use that because you want to be given by standing order. It helps us manage that. And of course, gift aid is a major help to us in terms of... Uh, what we can claim back from the government extra is 25p in the pound. I always forget that. 25p for every pound you give, if you, if you pay tax in the UK, then we can reclaim that back legally, quite above board. So it's very helpful to us. I think this year we'll probably get between nine and 10,000 pounds extra money simply because you give. So if you, if you do pay tax in the UK and you're giving regularly, please, um, sign the gifted form. Keegan um, will be able to supply you with one for that. You can download it from the website as well. Uh, next slide, please. Now, because of Christmas and uh, all that happens, we, we can easily miss birthdays and stuff like that. Uh, and happy anniversary for yesterday, Friday, Friday. <clears throat> Five years happily married. They've been married for 10, but they've been happily married. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> They've been married for five years. Happily married for five years. So, but birthdays, one of those things that's easy to slip by. Have we missed any birthdays? Or are there any birthdays coming up this week? No, I, I, I know at least one. 
and she knows I'm going to do this. We have to do it. Kerry, would you come forward, please? Any other birthdays that we missed? No. Oh, you tried to sneak. I don't know how you thought you were going to get away with that. Up front, Mrs. That was a dirty look in case you didn't notice. Oh, well done. 21 again? Yeah. I thought so. It's 21. Sophie, what you can say is it's 21 plus life experience. <laughs> we'll talk about living in denial in the message, so don't worry. But after three, let's sing happy birthday to these guys and we, 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 uh, we want to bless them. One, two, three. There you go. Extra special hug as well. And Kerry's going to share something. Not her age, just before she sits down. <laughs> we wouldn't ask that. Morning, everyone. Morning. One of the really exciting opportunities that we've got at the moment is to go into schools. And we're going into the Oak School. And in particular, that really excites us because it's not a church school. Um, any of you that are in education or have got children, you know how difficult, and it's getting more and more difficult, to get um, the, the news of Jesus into schools. And we really see it as a privilege. And um, one of the things that we do on a Monday is we go and do a discipleship course. And these are children that have done the group that we do on a Tuesday, but they wanted more. And so actually we are allowed to really share the gospel with them. And so what we've done is we've signed up to a course called Rooted and we've bought each of the children in our club one of these manuals and we've also bought some Bibles because for them, I think all the children that come to the club don't go to church. They have no Christian background whatsoever. A number of them are Muslims. Yeah. Um, one of the things that really touched our hearts was uh, at Christmas, one of the girls was ill but she made sure that she sent presents in for us to say thank you for what we're doing. And again, we know that there's no Christian background there whatsoever. So we really um, see this as a privilege and a chance to share. So we wondered if there was um, a way that you could get involved to support us. And so we were thinking that you could actually sponsor a child. We have 15 children in the club. Um, so we bought each of them a Bible and a booklet came to about £10 per child. And I thought it would be amazing if some of you could take on the responsibility for that. So if anyone is prepared to donate £10 to buy these resources for the children, that would be amazing. But if you can let us know that you're doing that, because what we would like to do is to, we obviously can't give you names, but we'd like to give you the initials of a particular child in the group for you to pray for. God doesn't need you to know the ins and outs and their names,
But if you've got the initials and you commit yourself to praying for that child, what amazing things we could see happen in that club. So if you need any more details, just see us. But it would be amazing if we could financially and prayerfully support the group that happens every Monday. Fantastic. Let's just take a, a minute to pray for the school. Psalm 78 verse 4 says, we want to teach the next generations and declare God's wonders to them. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have in schools in the area and the openness we, we have and the fact that even we'll have some classes coming here to this building uh, in the spring term. Lord, we thank you for this open door that we've been praying for for a long time. And we pray that as we go in again, as I go in tomorrow, that your presence would be with us, that they will see something distinctive and different about us and the message that we bring and we pray that we will be able to teach the next generation the wonderful things of God. We pray your blessing on this ministry. And, and Carrie, she does other work as well as the Oaks with schools. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please keep that in your prayers and your mind. We, we've found a great openness with the Oaks. And the, and the lady who's in charge of RE uh, is very open to what we do and very open to us personally, which is really helpful. Uh, let's take a moment to, to welcome one another, say hello, um, maybe a, a quick chance to, to catch up, but also as we've been doing quite a few times now, if you'd like prayer during this time, just ask someone to pray for you. Just say, would you pray for me now before the message, and you can share the need if you feel it's appropriate, or if you'd like prayer, I ask someone who you think is in tune with God today, and, uh, and just say, pray for me, I'd love prayer. So why don't we welcome one another, and if it's appropriate, ask or receive prayer from someone today so bless you fantastic good to see you're so chatty today so you'll look forward to that series on community uh, when we look at the corinthians father we thank you for your word we pray that as we come to it that we won't sit in judgment over it but we'll place ourselves under its authority so that whatever you choose to speak to us today even before we know what the message is that we'll submit our hearts, that we'll open our hearts, that we will be ready to receive what it is you want to say to us as individuals and as a church. In Jesus' name. <clears throat> American comedian and actress Chelsea Handler wrote this, everything isn't permanent, so don't pretend that it is. Everything's supposed to move and shift. While we may not like change, we all understand the reality of things change. Things move on. Even when we, we don't like it, even seasons move on. You know, we, we've had two-thirds of the rainfall in the first week of January for the whole month. It's been a horrible weather and, and the season, but the season will change. You're not going to stop it. We hope we get some summer. <laughs> we were in Ireland once and I saw in a cafe something that was truer to life than I'd ever wanted it to be, but there was a sign on a cafe in Northern Ireland that says, I hope summer comes on a Saturday this year. Because <laughs> so much, but seasons change, seasons move on. But that's the heart of the gospel as well, you know. It is the heart of the gospel that things change, that God wants to bring change into our life. And our past, present, and future as followers of Christ is all about change. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says this, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. That's the past. 
That's what God has done in the past. If we're a follower of Christ, he's already done that for us. In fact, Colossians 2 verse 6 uh, talks about not, not simply let your roots go down in him, but the fact that the, the original tense of the language means having your roots in him. Having your roots already established in Christ. So our identity as followers of Christ is in Christ. So our past is dealt with. Our present, Romans 12 verse 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So I know January can be a very disappointing year, or start to the year, all the hopes, all the promises maybe we've made, maybe we've broken some of those resolutions already, but we can actually decide to make some shifts in our life. We can. We have the power of that decision and that transformation comes out, not by us trying harder per se. You know, it's like, oh God, I... No, it's by letting God change the way you think. So how you think is actually critical to the shifts you need to make in your life. We'll talk about that. And then in the future, there will be a change for those who are Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Isn't that a glorious hope? All the aches and pains, David even said to me this morning, I realize I'm getting older. <laughs> I thought you and me both met, but... That we, we, we groan, we struggle, all those things that happen to us. But one day, all this perishable will be changed into imperishable. We receive that glorified, transformed body. We have a future that involves change. So as we begin another year, as we're thinking about this new year, I, I began to talk last week about some spiritual shifts that I think the church in general needs to make, not just our church, but the church in general. And I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to that message, to go back and listen to it. I don't often say this, but I think that's a worthwhile message to listen to if you didn't hear it. Go back and listen to it um, and apply it to our own lives. So we want to look at some of those godly habits that will bring transformation changing the way we think. That's why prayer, that's why fasting is so critical because they're, they're part of those habits. I want to highlight two shifts today that I, I think God wants us to t take us forward in. We're going to do a little mini-series just as a kind of future advert. We're going to do a little mini-series after Easter talking about some shifts that I think apply to everyone, not just to those in the church, but here's some of the things that I think we're going to deal with about shifting fear, about shifting anxiety, about shifting insecurity, about shifting rejection. Isn't that what one of the things in the video said? People face that. About shifting shame. I think those are things that are, can be identified with almost any human that's alive. So we want to talk about some of those shifts after Easter and we'll give you an opportunity to invite people that you may know that you think they need to hear this message. And we're going to do that in a way that will be relevant to non-Christians as well. But last week we, we began to look at a shift and I want to develop it further today with Kerry's help in a few minutes. First shift I think the, the wider church need to make is from reaching to making disciples. 
So it's not simply about reaching people and leaving them as babies. In fact, Peter says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. So God expects us to grow. Ephesians 4, when, when Paul's talking about the church, he said that you come to a place of maturity. God expects us to grow. And part of that is not simply reaching people, but it's making disciples. And part of that is our obedience. You can look up the verses. We, we covered this last week. But it results in us examining our, our own lives and saying, are we in the faith? And are we growing in that faith? This week, I want to develop this and talk about, we need to spiritually shift our definition of discipleship. See, I think what a lot of people have done, and particularly in the UK, we have around 2,000 years of Christianity. I think the first Christian saint, if you like, was called, came to the UK in about AD 43. So since then, Christianity began to grow in its influence. And there's been a lot of good things and a lot of change, uh, a lot of transition, a lot of difficult times as well for this country spiritually. But because we have 2,000 years of this gospel witness and churches, I think what that has bred into this culture is what I call cultural Christians. We have a lot of cultural Christians. We have a lot of people who like the idea of Christian values, may even like the idea of Christian ethics, may even like the idea of the church, may even like the idea of Jesus as a good teacher, but they're not living their life to follow Jesus. They're not living their life to obey his teaching. They're not seeking to live it out. And people may be cultural Christians for, for various factors in this country and uh, some of the more traditional churches that used to be that families could have pews pews that they would buy and so your family was allowed to sit in that my mom uh, when she when she was alive she paid a subscription into a church she never went to so that when she died the minister would bury her and that was expected that, that was part of the culture and, and in the UK we have a lot of what I call cultural Christians it may be background it may be family experiences it may be so, social but they're not actually living to follow Jesus. And I think we need a spiritual shift in our understanding and in our lifestyle. So if you say you're a Christian, which I think is a very nebulous term, and Jesus never used it actually. He only ever talked about disciples, followers who are seeking to live out. But if you're using that term, then I think we need to see a shift that is about discipleship. One of the words that I think is overused, misused, <clears throat> is this word revival. You know, we know people talking about praying for revival and the idea of revival. And they have this idea that what that means is there'll be a great ingathering of people from outside the church into the church. But that's not what revival means in the Bible. Revival in the, in the Bible is God's people getting into the right place. Just go, go back one, don't show that one yet. God's people getting into the right place with God. God's people living out that obedience, living out that godly life, living out that way that honors him. That's revival. So if you're praying for revival, and I believe we should, it has to start in our hearts. It has to start in people who say, yes, I'm a Christian. So maybe that's one of the things we need to pray. I do believe God wants to revive our hearts. 
I believe God wants to do something in this nation for us as a church, but not in the way that we might think because it starts with us. It has to start with us. It has to start with God's people. It always does. Next slide. So we want to show you this little picture that shows what I think is the difference between cultural Christians and disciples of Jesus. See, a cultural Christian might believe in Jesus, but it's all head knowledge. They may have said the Lord's Prayer. They may have been in a church environment. So they kind of believe in Jesus, but it's an intellectual knowledge. A disciple of Jesus will trust and follow Jesus. That's the difference, following Jesus. A cultural Christian might pray through Jesus because they may have learned some of the language of the Lord's Prayer. But the disciple of Jesus will surrender to Jesus. That's the difference. That's why we come at the start of the year throwing ourselves in God's hands and God's mercy and saying we consecrate ourselves. A cultural Christian may affirm Jesus' general saving role. I, they, they might understand that Jesus went to the cross. I may even think that that was a great thing and I may even talk about forgiveness of sins. But a, culture, a disciple of Jesus will participate in Jesus' mission. A cultural Christian will maintain a safe distance from Jesus. It's like we call on Jesus when we need him. But generally it's, no, I'll handle this myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> A disciple of Jesus wants to get as close to Jesus as we possibly can. Because we know we depend on him. We know we need him. A cultural Christian may like Jesus. and like the idea of Jesus. Billy Connolly used to say, I, I, I love Jesus. It's just the church that I don't like. It's true. That's what he said. A lot of people will like Jesus because they think he was a good teacher. But actually for us, a disciple of Jesus, it means we're changed by Jesus. It means that's the expectation, past, present, and future. We expect change, we expect transformation. That's a normal part of our Christian experience, that God will challenge us, that God will convict us, that God will change us. If you're the same as you were five years ago, if you've been a Christian that long, there's something wrong. If you're not changing, there's something wrong, because change is the heart of the gospel. Cultural Christians ask Jesus to fulfill their agenda. <laughs> oh, God, help me. If, have, you, have you heard people pray? God, if you give me this new job, I promise I'll go to church every week. Or if you give me this new car, or if you give me this, or this. And they're asking Jesus to fulfill their agenda. And that agenda is usually, bless me, bless me, bless me. But the disciple of Jesus is willing to throw him, him or herself into Jesus' mission. You see, God is at work, not just on the Sunday morning. God is at work right throughout the week. So the challenge for us is to find out where is God working so that I can participate in that? Where is God working in the world? Where is God working in my life? And how do I get involved in the mission of Jesus? And Jesus made that very clear. It's about the kingdom of God. He went about preaching, teaching, and healing. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. So it's not simply about church or church attendance. That's a good thing. But church is there to proclaim the kingdom of God. Are we willing to throw ourselves into the mission of Jesus? How do we do this? Well, one of the most famous verses in the Old Testament that's relevant for prayer in our season of time is 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Many of you will be able to quote it like me. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, 
pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. So that's what we have to do. And then God promises three things. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. You see, we have a responsibility in this. And so often people will pray, but God says that's not the starting point. The starting point is you have to humble yourself. And that's why for me personally, I find fasting very humbling because I love my food. (laughs) I love my bread. I'm Irish. Come on, bread and potatoes, Rose. They have to go during the fast. So I'm humbling myself when I fast. And, And God says we have to humble ourselves first. See, people are willing to pray. But if you pray before you humble yourself, what often happens is pride gets in the way. (laughs) And we start asking for things that that we want. We start trying to fulfill our agenda. We start trying to grasp and to grab. And God, I want you to do this. God, I need you to do this. God, God, God. But actually when we humble ourselves first, then we're ready to hear from God. Then we're open to God. Then we can pray. And as James said, so that our motives are not amiss. Some of you have not because you don't ask. And some of you are asking with the wrong motives. That's what James said. Which is why we need to humble ourselves. First of all, then we pray. And when that happens, I think God's presence and God's power can be revealed in us. And then we take it out into the community. We take it out from our lives. It's the overflow. Fruit is simply overflow life. A tree does not have to think about producing fruit. Fruit on a tree is simply overflow life. So stop trying to produce the fruit in your life. (laughs) Get connected to the vine. And the fruit that comes is the overflow of that life. As we said earlier in Colossians 2.7, let your roots go down into him. Could be translated as you're already rooted in him. So if you are that follower of Christ, you're already rooted in him. So what should happen next? Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you'll overflow with thankfulness. That's the byproduct of being rooted in him. And one of the problems I I find in the church today is that so many people have their identity in things other than Christ. They have the identity in jobs, in cars, in relationships, and all of those things have their place in our lives. But if you're looking to get your identity, guess what? At some point, it's going to break down. At some point, your car might break down. (laughs) At some point, your relationship might break down. At some point, your job. All of those things where we get our identity. If you have your identity now, what are you going to do when it goes wrong? You have to have your roots in him. If there's only one thing you remember today, that's the key. Have your roots in him. One of the things that we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is to have our encounter nights. So this Friday the 12th, and then we're going to continue for the next two Fridays while we're doing our fasting. So we're going to have three of our encounter nights, 12th, 19th, and 26th. And I understand that maybe you can't make it all, but is it possible that you can make even one? (laughs) Is it possible that you can rearrange some things or do stuff in your schedule that says, God, during this fast, during this time, I need to encounter you. I want to humble myself before you. I'm going to make time for that. See, I think it's often the attitude of our heart 
this is the key, isn't it? It's not our calendar, really. We're all busy. It's, it's a busy world. But in reality, if we really want to, we will make time for what's important for us, don't we? We do it. We make time for what's important for us. So let me encourage you to make time at the start of this year because the scripture says, Philippians 2.13, that we need to continue to work out our salvation. We don't work for it because of grace. We don't work for our salvation, but we do need to work it out in our lives. We do need to walk through it. And that includes faithfulness, includes forgiveness, it includes the future. All of those things are important, Kerry. All of those things are important as we look at it. And Kerry's going to talk about one of the key areas now in forgiveness. And I want to encourage you, as I've even been challenged at the start of this year, that we need to walk in forgiveness with people, don't we? Because people upset us. Maybe they've upset you over Christmas, over the new year. People upset us. People are people. They get things wrong and, and we just have the stuff of life. Forgiveness is one of those things that's important for us to do. Thank you, Kerry. Okay, I'm going to show you a verse from the Bible. And if we can just say this together, and then I want to know if you recognize these words. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Matthew 6, verse 12. Does anyone recognize those words from the Lord's Prayer? If you were in... Um, a C of E church or a Catholic church, those churches say those words every week. It's a prayer that, the, that Jesus taught us, but those words are so important. And I think learning verses from the Bible and then we can apply them into our lives is really, really important. And children, that's really important for you as well. If you know what the Bible says, your life is rooted in God because you're following what Jesus is teaching us. So we're just going to, we're not going to say the Lord's Prayer today because you know that we like singing and we like dancing. So instead, we're going to do the Lord's Prayer together with some actions. So children, if you can stop your packs for a minute, turn around and face this way. Adults, if you can stand up. And we're just going to do the Lord's Prayer in New Life way.
I just need to say, you lot are amazing. Wow, you could really feel God's power coming through. Doing actions, I think, really helps us to express what God wants us to express. So, so if we go back to the words that we were looking at, one thing that really, really struck me, have you ever read a Bible verse and got really homed in on one word? And the word that really struck me was as. It says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Because I don't know about you, but I have quite often been taught that we need to forgive other people because God's forgiven us. But that word as slightly changes that, I think, because it's telling us that unless we are prepared to forgive other people, then God's forgiveness isn't available to us. And I thought that doesn't ring true. Because actually it tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, we were forgiven. And so I struggled a little bit and so looked a bit more into it. And I found another verse that says exactly the same. When you are praying, first, forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And so I was really praying that through because it didn't quite ring true to me. Because I know that when Jesus died all our sins were forgiven. And so as I was thinking it through, I thought, actually, there might be a way that we can see that a little bit more clearly. And Mercelyn's going to come and help us. Because Mercelyn's got a bag. Bring your bag up, Merce. Fantastic. Now, as you see, we've got a cross over here. And Mercelyn, can you see what's it made up of? Christmas presents. Lots of presents. They're not Christmas presents anymore. Christmas is gone. It's birthday time now. So there's lots of presents there. And I want to give Mercelyn these presents. But I want to give Mercelyn these presents and she has to carry them in her bag. Okay? So is that all right? Yeah. So if I give you a present, can you put it in your bag? Only one. Say again? Only one. Oh, she can only get one present. Why? Because my my bag is full of bricks. Oh, she's got a bag full of bricks, so she can't fit her present in. So what could we do, do you think? Remove the bricks. Ah, she wants to... I like it when Merceline gives the right answers. We haven't rehearsed this at all. What we're going to do is remove the bricks. Could you help me remove the bricks? Because what I was thinking was actually the reason that we don't receive God's forgiveness if we're not forgiving other people is because we are too full of other things. When we don't forgive, our hearts and our souls and our minds and our bodies are full of other things that mean what God wants to give us can't be received because we're holding on to some other things. So let's have a look what we're holding on to. Sadness. Thank you. Sadness. I don't know about you, but I I honestly in my life don't feel as though I've been through a real time of sadness. I have over the last few months. It took me by surprise. It really did. I didn't realize how physically sadness affects you. Jesus doesn't say you're not going to be sad. But what Jesus does say is blessed are those who mourn. It's, all, it's okay to feel sad. There are some things in our world that should make us sad. It's what we do with it that's really important. Because if we hold on to sadness and don't work through it with God, 
it becomes one of the bricks that we're carrying around. And actually, it is possible to have real joy while you're still feeling sad, because that's what God can give. Joy is different from happiness. And I'm going to be really, really brave here, because this might sound really harsh. But I think in our world today, and I think actually we're bringing our children up to believe this sometimes, people actually look for sadness. I think sometimes people want to hold on to sadness because it gives them an excuse to not be the people that God's made them to be. And I know that sounds harsh, but you look on Facebook. If I, I've seen it with my children sometimes. Somebody, it announces that somebody has died. They don't actually even know that person, but they want to hold on to the drama of what's happened. We shouldn't go searching for sadness, but if we're feeling sad, it's okay. Let's take it to God and let's take it to each other. Thank you, Mercer. We've got another brick we can take out. What does that? Ooh. Bitterness. Bitterness. This is a really big one. I'm going to put that there because that's obviously fallen off one of the other bricks. This is a really, really big one. I wonder if you've ever felt bitter. Bitterness leads to all sorts of other things, it leads to envy. It leads to spitefulness. It leads to gossiping. It leads to comparing ourselves to other people. And because we feel we don't compare really well to them, we then respond in a negative way. It tells us in Ephesians 4 verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. We can't be a church that is gossiping and being horrible to other people. A, a friend of mine was telling me about a service they did. They're a very, very small church. And they had a new person come, and that new person then joined the church. The sole reason they, they came back to that church, it wasn't the preaching, it wasn't the worship. It was because they saw such a unity with the team that was uh, operating in that church. They saw love, and they wanted to know more. We need to get rid of bitterness. We need to forgive each other. Next one. Anxiety. Anxiety. I've got a quote here. You can't always control what goes on outside, but you can always control what goes on inside. Again, it's not wrong to feel anxious. It's not wrong to sometimes worry about things. I can guarantee you the person that you look most up to, the person that you think spiritually has got it sorted, they will at times be nervous. They will at times worry. What matters is what we do with that anxiety because God wants us to turn to him to be honest and to say, I just don't think I can do this. And his answer will be, you can't, but we can. Because anything we have to face, God is with us in it. I um, remember praying with a friend a few years ago and I had to make a decision and I was really scared about this decision. And I said to my friend, if I could see what's at the bottom, I would make that decision. I would jump. I would do it. But I need to know that I'm going to land. I need to know the security is there. And my friend said to me, there's a trampoline at the bottom. Don't worry, just jump. But as I've been praying recently, I think that's actually wrong. Because I think what God is actually saying to all of us, to us as a church, is jump and I'm jumping with you. He's almost like, you know, the skydivers when they jump together and hold on to each other. I don't need to know what's at the bottom. I don't need that security. 
because God's actually flying with me. He's my co-pilot with me. And so I think the anxiety, God understands, but if we bring it to him, he can go with us through it and we can face whatever we need to face. Another thing that unforgiveness brings is... Anger. Anger. Anger is actually a destroyer. I don't know whether you've ever destroyed a relationship by being angry. And what's really sad is normally the person that we get angry with isn't the person that's upset us in the first place. And so true relationships can be destroyed by us not forgiving the person we really need to forgive because we take it out on our partners or we take it out on our friends or we take it out on our children. Whereas actually if we forgave the person that actually upset us, the anger would be dealt with. Again, in Ecclesiastes 7, 9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for angry lodges in the heart of fools. Let's get rid of the brick of anger. How are we doing? We still got some more? This is the one that's fallen off. What does that say? Isolation. Isolation. What an awful feeling. I don't know if anyone's ever felt isolated, but I've got a, a slide to show you to do with this one. So it's what do we do when our hearts hurt, asked the boy. We wrap them with friendship, shared tears and time till they wake hopeful and happy again. Again, when you're feeling isolated, what, what's your instinct? If somebody's hurt you, what's your natural instinct? It's to hide. Whereas what we need to do is to forgive that person and talk to someone else about it, pray with somebody else about it, and then bring it to God together. Because that isolation leads to us not being the people that God wants us to be because he didn't put us on this world on our own. Have we still got more bricks? Nearly empty. Last one. Self-hatred. Self-hatred. Hatred. Self-hatred. How many times do we beat ourselves up? over broken relationships? How many times do we beat ourselves up over something that somebody said? C.S. Lewis said, I think if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. Otherwise, it's almost like setting ourselves as a higher tribunal than him. That's quite an eye-opener, isn't it? If we're holding on to unforgiveness for ourselves, in a way, we're saying we're greater than God because he forgives us so we haven't got a right to not forgive ourselves. So actually, if we're holding on to um, unforgiveness for ourselves, we're actually really sinning because we're not listening to what he's telling us. That's quite a harsh reality, isn't it? That's quite hard to hear. So if we hold on to unforgiveness, all those byproducts might happen and they fill us and we've got no room for what God truly wants to give us. When we work through those things, when we truly forgive somebody, we let go of any hold they've got on us. Even if they were wrong, to forgive them is to remove those bricks that could drag us down. And now we've got room in the bag for... Birthday presents. Present. Should we put some in? Come over here. What are we going to put in our bag? First thing? Hope. Sorry, I hold, I'm holding it upside down. She's having to sort of twist around. Sorry, Merlin. We're going to put some hope in. Let's fill ourselves with hope. Next one. Purpose. Purpose. Isn't that amazing? 
If we can forgive and get rid of all those things that hold us down, we find our real purpose in life. We find out what God really wants us to do, and we can do it. Let's put it in the bag. Good job. I'm going to do that one last. Grace. Grace. His forgiveness. We can truly receive his forgiveness because we've removed all those things that were taking up the space. We'll put that in there. Next one. Trust. <laughs> I'm sorry, Marceline. Trust. Again, if we have been hurt and we're holding on to it, we're not going to trust other people and we're also not going to trust God. If we forgive and let go of that hold, we can truly trust again and then people will truly trust us. I like this one. Joy. Joy, absolutely. That sadness, that grieving will eventually be replaced by joy, which I think is amazing. And then the biggie, this is the biggest present. Freedom. Freedom. If we forgive people, if we truly let go, we walk into the freedom that God wants for us. We're not carrying a bag of bricks. We're carrying everything God truly wants us to see. That's what I think that as means. Because we have to let go so that God can refill. And our, the final Bible verse I'd like to do, I think this is an amazing verse. I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward on what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. That's what forgiving does. That's what we should all be aiming for. Thank you, Kerry. Thank you, Marceline. You know, so often... In the last 30 odd years of ministry, I've seen people think about discipleship as some, some, sometimes this big grand gesture and this deeply spiritual thing. And, but actually, that's the heart of discipleship, that we walk in forgiveness towards others, towards ourselves. That, that's what God wants for us. I think the second thing that we need to kind of spiritually shift our definition of it is a definition of success. I think by and large the church, particularly in the West, but in other nations too, has fallen into this lie that if we're comfortable, that if we're financially secure, that if things are fine with our help, then that's a sign of God's blessing and we're in the right place. And it can be, but if that's the only measurement you have, then Jesus was never in the will of God. Paul was never in the will of God and neither were most of the disciples of the New Testament. There are times where it's very uncomfortable to follow God, especially if we're talking about the real issues of forgiveness. There are times when it's costly to follow Jesus. There are times where the things that we're praying for don't automatically come like that. There are times when our prayers just seem to be answered like that. It's incredible, isn't it? But there are also seasons where the brass seem as heaven, the heavens seem as brass. That's what the Bible says. There are different seasons in life. And we have to understand that. And if we are to be followers of Jesus and not just cultural Christians, we have to continually look to Jesus. We have to love him and embrace whatever way he leads. And one of the challenges I think we have is, is that we have embraced a kind of a westernized version of Jesus rather than a crucified and resurrected Jesus. And so the western, westernized version is particularly about material blessings, 
about the things God gives to us. But look at even the life of Jesus. Hebrews 5 verse 8 says that Jesus learned obedience. Does anyone know it? Through suffering. Hold on a minute here. Just stop and think about it. We read this stuff and we gloss past it. But think about it. The Son of God doing the will of God, following exactly the Father's plan, resisting the enemy. Some of you are going to remember that, aren't you? Resisting evil. He did all this and Jesus learned obedience through suffering. He cried loud tears before God. You know, I I think we have to change our thinking when it comes to success. There's a whole slide of Bible verses. We're not going to go through them all. You can look at them. But there's an overwhelming, uh, Chris always puts the PDF of these notes that you see on the website. So you can download the PDF straight after the service or you can take a screenshot now. But if you look at the whole witness of Scripture, and that's, that's only the New Testament, but look at the whole witness of Scripture, it actually talks about suffering. Romans 8 talks about the whole creation groaning. <laughs> Not just us, the whole creation is groaning, looking for its redemption. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because I want you to see this. Out of all the verses, you, you be, begin to see... Exactly God's plans and purposes. And it's not always successful in the terms that we look at. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 10. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But you, T- Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live. And what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how... I was persecuted in the Antioch, Idiom, and Lystria, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yet, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. So this is the great apostle Paul, and he's saying, I'm following God with all my heart. I'm pressing on towards the prize. We read it earlier. This is Paul, but he says, because we're seeking to do that, we're going to face suffering. We're going to face difficulty. So I think we need to to rethink our definitions of success, and I'll, I'll come to that in a minute. But just look at the whole witness of Scripture that talks about the fact, if we're going to live a godly life, if we're going to follow Jesus, then it's not always going to breed success in worldly terms, is it? Did it for Jesus. He was left deserted by most of his disciples. He left 12 disciples. One of them went into apostasy and betrayed him. You know, let's think about what the scripture actually says to us. In his book, Letters to the Churches, Francis Chan makes observations about two particular areas of the world where the church faces a lot of difficulty and persecution. And one of these is the Chinese church. If you know anything about the Chinese church, it's grown to conservative estimates, say, over 60 million Christians. After all the missionaries were thrown out, the church grew. Isn't that interesting? And despite the persecution, despite them being watched, the church in China and the underground church is massive. And Francis Chan went and visited the churches and some of the leaders 
one leader was in charge of a denomination, I think, of 20 million people. Incredible, isn't it? And these are the five things that they said they made as commitments, a deep commitment to prayer, both in their personal lives and gathering together. They were deeply committed to prayer. Secondly, a commitment to the Word of God. And they added something, not their favorite preacher, not their favorite speaker, but the Word of God. <laughs> That's different, isn't it? You see, we can't live off someone else's revelation. You can't. You can't live off my revelation. You can't live off the revelation of someone from YouTube. Listen, I listen to podcasts. I watch people too. It's good to feed your soul. But if you are only engaging with the Word of God through other people, there's something wrong. So it's not your favorite speaker. It's not your favorite preacher. It's a commitment to the Word of God by itself. A commitment to sharing the gospel with others despite the real dangers that that will be. Because in the Chinese environment, that could mean losing your life. A regular expectation for God to act supernaturally. Why? Because they prayed. <laughs> because they were committed to prayer, they expected God to do stuff. Do you know what? That's what we learn from churches in other nations that I visit. That a church in prayer will see stuff happen. It will. And that's one of the challenges in the West. If a church doesn't pray, you're not going to see stuff happen. You're not. So we need to be committed to prayer. And out of that comes the expectation for God to act. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have. We know that if we pray according to his will, he hears us. That word confidence is very interesting. It means boldness or confident boldness because when we come to him in the right, when we come to him in faithfulness, when we come to him asking for his help, that boldness comes from inside us. And then faith rises that we can expect, not hope, that we can expect God to answer prayer. That comes out of a deep commitment to prayer, deep commitment to the word of God, a regular expectation. And then the final one they said is, there's a commitment to embrace suffering for the glory of Christ. I'm sorry, that's the gospel. There's no other way of looking. If you're looking for an easy ride, if you're looking for an easy way, then that, that's not the gospel. Yes, we will have troubles, but we know, as Paul said, these light and momentary afflictions are working for us an eternal glory. There, there is a purpose in them, but we do have to go through stuff. Though I walk, walk through the valley of the shadow, it doesn't say that God's going to take us out of those things or out of those times. Sometimes we have to go through. Sometimes we have to go through the storms. Remember when the disciples were in the storm and, and Jesus appeared walking on the water. It says that Jesus intended to walk by them. The only reason Jesus stopped and stilled the storm because they happened to see him. It wasn't his intention. Jesus was quite willing to let them go through the storm so that they could get to the other side. Jesus knew what he was doing. And so sometimes we have to go through stuff and yes, get to that place. Paul, Peter says in 1 Peter 4, do not be surprised 
at the fiery truffle uh, trial you're, you're experiencing or enduring, as, a, as though something strange were happening to you, your brothers right throughout the world are undergoing the same thing. Why do we think when trouble comes, it's just us? Why do we think, God, oh, why are you punishing me? Why are you doing this to me? What about? No, this is a normal part of the Christian experience. This is a normal part of living in a fallen world. Even Jesus said in the Gospels, when people are saying, who sinned? Jesus said, no one sinned. This was done so that God could be glorified. When a tower fell in Jesus' time, a tower fell and 18 people were killed. And the disciples were looking to point the finger. And he said, no one's at fault with this. It's an accident. It's the world in which you live. So there's going to be suffering in the world in which we live. The second country that Francis Chan highlighted was Iran. And he spoke to one pastor and he said, before anyone can join the church, we get them to sign the letter agreeing to these conditions. They have to sign a written agreement that they're willing to lose their property, that they're willing to be thrown into jail, they're willing to be martyred for their faith before we let them sign, join the church. But you know what? In 2018, Iran had the fastest growing of uh, in the world of the church, evangelical population. It was the fastest growing. You see, there's an old quote, and forgive me if I get this wrong, some of you who are mature can correct me, that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So it's not suffering and persecution that stops the church. God can always overcome. But the challenge is in our mindset, there has to be a shift. If we're looking for a comfortable, easy life, then guess what happens when trouble comes? We're not ready for it. We're not resilient. We blame God. We blame other people. Or even we blame ourselves at times. And we, we, we cry, oh God, how can you do this? How can this? And we give up and we lose confidence in God. But Hebrews says, don't throw away your confidence. Just because of difficulty. Paul says to the church of Philippi, he says, be glad that I'm in chains because in my chains, I'm preaching the gospel to the whole Roman guard. Everyone knows. He says, don't be disappointed because I'm suffering. God has a plan and a purpose in it. And folks, I think we need to redefine success because in the West, we have successes. We're gonna be comfortable. We're gonna be healthy. We're never gonna have any difficulties. Everything is gonna go right with us. That's not the gospel of the Bible. That's the gospel of the West. So how do we re redefine success? Success is doing God's will in God's way in God's timing. God's will in God's way in God's timing. And that doesn't matter how it looks externally. It doesn't matter how it looks to other people because Jesus in John 4, remember the Samaritan woman? He sends the disciples off to get bread. I think he wanted his headpiece, to be honest. I think he wanted a bit of peace and quiet. So he sends them off so he can speak to this lady and she has an incredible encounter with God and the disciples come back and, and they offer him bread. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's my nourishment. And they're, where did he get bread from? They missed it completely. Because for Jesus, success was doing the will of God. And that meant, in his case, going to Samaria. 
And the disciples were not happy about that because they were good Jews. They would go the long way round to avoid that because of a hundred year conflict, civil war between the Samaritans and the Jews. Read the Gospels and you'll get a, a flavor of that. The disciples were not impressed that Jesus would go deliberately on purpose into this area. But he did because his purpose was to do God's will in God's way and God's timing. Matthew 16, turn, turn with me there. It should be an easy one to find. Matthew 16. This is what Jesus himself says. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of the Father and will judge people according to their deeds. You see, Jesus is very clear about what it means to be a disciple. He's very clear what it means. It's not kind of giving him, oh, Jesus, I'll give you this little bit, but I'll handle the rest. Jesus wants all of you. He doesn't want Sunday morning and a Wednesday night and oh, you think, well, I've done enough there. God wants all of you. God wants everything of your life and that will cost you because we want to follow our own selfish ways, don't we? And so often what we measure as success is the external things. And we look at other people and we see that they look as if they're blessed. But even David had to wrestle with the fact that the ungodly seem more blessed at times. They don't seem to have the issues, Psalm 73. But he, he resolved before God that when I went into the temple and when I saw their end, in other words, when David got a, a picture of eternity, he began to see. It's not what happens in this life. It's not the material success or the so-called blessing that people have. It's what happens in eternity that counts. It's what happens when we stand before God and we need to have that eternal perspective. So often we measure success in the external. And if you're going through a difficult season, you can feel, oh, there must be something wrong with me or God's punishing me, all those things. It may not be the case at all. It may just be a season in your life. It may be that God is wanting to grow you. We'll come back to that in a minute. So how do we find transformation? How do we spiritually shift in these difficult times? Here's a couple of questions I want you to think about. How much of your life do you think you spend avoiding pain that you need to experience in order to grow? That's a challenging question, isn't it? Because we do everything in our power to avoid pain. We do everything in our power, but maybe it's the very thing that God wants to use in your life to grow you. What decisions do you need to make that you're putting off because of the pain you anticipate? And is that wise? Folks, th this is the truth. I, I know it's not a, you know, G up message today, but I'm preaching truth to you and here's the reason why. Isaiah 57 verse 14 says, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. That's what Kerry's talking about. 
removing the obstacles out of the way so that you can experience God. So if you're able to receive this word today, see the truth of what we're saying, see the purpose behind it. We also need some Bible truths to help us. Joshua 1 verse 5, Moses is dead. Joshua has to step up. And it's daunting for him. Moses had defined a generation. Moses had been a great leader. But God comes and says, I will be with you. And some of you, I'm going to be honest, and don't be sending me emails of complaint, but some of you need to grow up this year and step up. Some of you need to grow up and step up. But God will be with you in it. God will be with you in it. Thank you. God will be with you in that, whatever it is you have to face, because he does want you to cross over into something. He does want there to be spiritual shifts, but unless you're willing to, nothing will change. I don't care how good the preaching is, I don't care how good the worship is, unless you make the decision that you want to change, that you're willing to change, and you know God is with you in it, you will never make that shift that's necessary. You will never go through the pain, but know this, God will be with you in the process. He never promises freedom from pain. He never promises us freedom from suffering, but he does promise to be with us in the process. He does promise to walk with us. That's all we can guarantee you. That's all Jesus ever guaranteed you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's not just when things are going well. Hebrews 10, turn there with me for the last few minutes we have together. Hebrews 10, as you're turning there, was written to uh, Jewish Christians, uh, which is why it talks a lot about temples and sacrifice. It was written to Jewish Christians who were feeling the challenge of their faith. They were under pressure. And the pressure was to turn back to Judaism because it would be easier for them. Go back to the old religious ways. Go back to tick box religion. And the writer to Hebrews come and saying, please don't do that because you have a better covenant. And what Jesus has done for you as the high priest is so much greater. So don't go back to that. And chapter 10, verse 32. Think of on the back in those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten. Sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown in jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. (laughs) This is New Testament Christianity. I hear people say, oh, we need to get back to the early church. (laughs) Really? You want to get back to the early church? Well, this is what it involves. You can't have the miracles without the message that we're preaching. You can't have the testimony without the test. There has to be stuff you have to stand and go through. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he's promised. See, the problem with the success mentality that the world brings is, I want what's promised, then I'll do God's will. 
That, that's exactly what the success. God, if you bless me, I'll do this. God, if you give me this, I'll do this. God, do this, do this. Then. But that's not what Scripture says. It says, do the will of God. Then you will receive what's promised. And truthfully, some of you just need to stand your ground in your own spiritual life. Listen, those of you who know me well, know I pray for you. I pray and fast a lot. I go on long prayer walks and sometimes I have names or lists and I'm praying for you. I pray for you folks, but I can't get your breakthrough for you. I can't. You have to get it. You have to come to God. You have to stand your ground. You have to change your mindset. You have to believe this stuff as much as I want you to believe it. You have to make those spiritual shifts. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what's promised. Amen? Is this truth this morning? Jude 24, 25 says this. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Folks, I know some of you are going through it. God knows you're going through it. God is aware of your pain and your suffering. God is aware of your tears, but he calls you to something else and he calls you to shift your eyes off your pain, to shift your eyes off your problem, to persevere in these times because it's part of the gospel. He wants to grow you and he wants you to come back to the place to God our Savior. He wants you to come back to that place of worship where, as Habakkuk said, even if there's no figs, even if there's no cattle, even if there's no sheep, yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. And I'm telling you, some of you won't get your breakthrough until you get to that place. Isaiah 54 says, Sing, O barren woman. Not pray, because when you pray, you're asking something from God, but when you sing, you're receiving something from Him. There's a difference. You have to get to that place where you say to God, whatever, as Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And you don't receive the breakthroughs, you don't receive the promise until you get to that place of even if all else fails, even if no one else does it, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Worship team, we're going to come because I think the right response today is worship. And we're going to sing a song many of you will know, be very familiar with. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Blessed be your name when there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. To him be glory, honor, majesty, power, and authority forever and ever. Come on, let's sing it and declare it today in God's presence. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.